This morning, we're going to go back to the book of James, chapter 4. I invite you to turn there with me this morning to James, chapter 4, as we look, continue to look at this idea of faith works. Faith that we place in Jesus Christ for salvation goes far beyond that eternal relationship or that eternal change of our destiny. Of course, yes, in Jesus Christ, we find eternal hope and peace and we find eternity with God. But that relationship with God has ramifications on our life here on earth. And throughout the book of James, James has, has continued to unpack that thought that, that there, is, there are some things that should be true in our lives if we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, if we have a relationship with him. And here in James chapter 4, uh, one of the, the biggest themes of this chapter has been this idea of our humility before God and how we uh, need to humble ourselves before him if we're going to have a right relationship with other people, um, how if we're going to have a right relationship with him, we need to be humble before him to, uh, to resist sin with his help. And uh, then we saw last time we were together looking at James, his call that we not judge other people, but instead in humility, leave these things in the hands of God and trust and follow him. And today and next week, because if you've been around here, surprise, this is not going to take just one day. It's going to take two messages to get through this passage. Um, we're going to look at this idea of following the will of God in our lives. Let's look at James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. James says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity now we have to open your word over the next few minutes, to examine it, and to ask the question, what is it you have to tell us today through your word? We ask today that you would quiet our hearts in our minds, and that you, through the Holy Spirit, would do the work that only you can do. Lord, I pray that you would help me to say the things you would have me to say, to get out of the way and just let you do what you would like to do here today. Lord, I pray that you would change us, that you would challenge us, and that you would truly conform us to be like you. Lord, if there is one here who's here today who has been wrestling with these things, even wrestling with the idea of how do I have a relationship with God? Would you use your word today in their hearts? Or for those who, who know you, who are struggling with obeying you and, and following the things you would have them to do, Lord, would you challenge them with these things today? Show them that your desire is that they would submit to you and follow you and your will in their lives. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to see that the only way to live, to find complete fulfillment and satisfaction in this temporal life, is to submit ourselves to the eternal God who controls all things, and who longs to have a relationship with us. Lord, we ask that you would get the honor and the glory for all that's said and done. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, in our lives, we are often reminded, sometimes painfully reminded, how much is out of our control. Despite our best efforts to the contrary, right? The flat tire on the way to work, 
the rained out sports practice, the sudden change in the stock market, or the early arrival of a baby are just some of these instances that can change the course of an entire day, month, year, or even our entire lives. And as I've heard some people say, and and I have said it myself, you ever had one of those days where your day just kind of blows up, right? In these moments of unpredictable change, what do you do? How do you react? What should it teach us? Well, here in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, James has something to say about that. He tells us that these unpredictable things that happen should remind us that we have a God who is sovereign, who wants us to submit ourselves to him and to his will for our lives. And as James continues to call for us to live out our faith by submission to God here in chapter 4, we read his words on following the will of God. And what we see from this passage is that because God is in sovereign control, I must submit my will to his and seek to live out his plan for my life in all things. God created you and me in his own image. Part of the image of God on every human being is that we are given a free will. You have the ability to choose to do things, to not do things, to, to have a relationship with God, to not, to trust him, to not. And, and, and you see, if you, have, if you had the opportunity to be around kids or have your own kids, you've seen the, the will, the free will of your own children exercise against the will that you have for them, right? Or sometimes if you're teaching children's church, you're like, yeah, I wish there was a little less free will in the world, right? Especially the pastor's kids. And in the same way, okay, we think about that as a silly illustration, but in the same way, God has a will and a plan for our lives. And he wants us to submit ourselves and the things of our heart to him, no matter what goes on. And so we're going to take some time, we're going to take this week and next week and really open up this passage and look at this idea of how do we follow the will of God in our lives. Because even just the phrase, the will of God, like evokes some kind of like spooky thing sometimes. Like, oh, what is the will of God for your life? And you're like, I don't know, right? I hope it's to be here, you know. But really, the will of God is not some kind of scary, spooky thing. It's very straightforward from Scripture. And so this week, we're going to look at kind of the, the first thoughts on that, and the next week, we'll, we'll tie it up and, and look at it all together in the whole. And so what we see as we go through this passage is we see James, and as he's talking to the church there in Jerusalem, we see that, that he addresses here in these first um, three, two or three verses in verses 13 and 14, this idea of there's a group of people there, and there's a group in our own lives, and this is true of us ourselves, that, that are precluding the will of God from their lives. And they do this because of their temporal focus. James says in verse 13, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. So there's a group that James is, is confronting here in the church at Jerusalem. And he's confronting all of us, as this is the inspired word of God for us to read today, that we have a, a problem where we focus on the temporal things right in front of us. And James is focusing us to this problem, that we struggle with a temporary mindset instead of an eternal mindset. And he, ad- he asks us to give it our utmost attention. This opening phrase in verse 13, it says, come now. This is actually very strong language. You go back to the Greek text, and it literally translates as, now listen, or get this. Listen. 
Again, can I appeal to you parents? You ever like grabbed your, your kids by the face? Now listen here, right? I don't want you to think this is not God, you know, giving some angry message, but he's calling, hey, listen, pay attention. This is something we need to focus on. It's an important point for us to remember and to apply to our lives. There is a grave danger living our lives with no thought as to what God may want for us or with no respect as to God's control over every situation. And that is seen in the picture that James paints here. James gives a picture. We're not entirely sure that he's talking about specific people, but, but probably just some ideas and some, a group of people maybe that had these thoughts within the congregation there. But he paints a, an illustration of these businessmen with a self-confident strategy. And it wasn't unusual for the businessmen, even of James's day, to go out of town to do business. And so here they are. They have worked out what they will do and what the outcome will be. And James is very specific in this picture. He says that they've worked out first a time. He says, come now, you who say that today or tomorrow. So they have a time. We're going to go. We're going to get ready to go out of town. But then they've worked out a place. We will go to such and such a city. So we're going to leave today or tomorrow. We're going to go to this place. And they're going to, then they have a time frame. And they will continue there a year to do their business, which is to buy and sell. And all of that is what? Driving at the outcome. And they're going to get gain. See, what happens here is the ones in James' illustration give no thought to the will of God, but they instead depend on themselves and their acumen. What, they, what, what we get here is that they believe their plan is invincible. It's invulnerable, and the outcome is for sure. They're going to go to this place. They're going to buy and sell. They're going to get gain. They're going to gain something from it. And what they do is they act like God is not even a factor. James, addressing his Christian audience, is warning here that such thinking is dangerous for the Christian. And we have to ask ourselves, so, I mean, what's wrong with the picture here? I mean, is it wrong for us to make plans? I mean, what's the old saying, right? Now, it's not scripture, but what's the old saying? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm a planner. I I, I have to be. I cannot survive even one day in this crazy world without working through a schedule, working through a calendar, where, where I have to be and when I have to be there and what I got to do when I get there, right? We got to have plans. Most times, us making a plan is, is showing good stewardship of the time and resource that, resources that God has entrusted to us. Where does the problem come? The problem comes when our trust is in those plans and not in our God. When our focus is on the temporal and not on the eternal. You see, these businessmen that James is speaking about, they trusted their savvy more than they did the Savior. James is not attacking their planning. He's not even attacking their profit they hope to make. But what is he attacking? What is he going after? And what is he trying to show them? He's trying to show them the foolishness of the object of their faith. What is the object of their faith? The plan. Hey, we're going to go do this. And this is going to happen, and then we're going to be good. These ones in the story live as what we may call practical atheists. Oh, no, they may say they believed and trusted in God, but it did not affect the way that they lived. It did not affect the way they thought through their lives. We live, you and I, in this temporal world. Everything you and I know is temporal and transitory. 
But everything we have is here today, and it'll be gone, you know, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually it'll be gone, right? And some of the things we have in life are gone quicker than others. Yet, we have the opportunity and the ability to make an eternal difference with this temporary life that we live. We can settle the question of our eternity and then make a difference in the lives of others for that eternity. But to simply focus on the temporal and to simply focus on the here and now is foolish. When the Bible talks about being a fool, the Bible talks about one who lives in contrary, contrary to reality. It is foolish for us to live like this is the only thing that matters because there is something far more that matters than this life. And that is our eternity. So we live in light of that eternity. One, that we can settle that eternity with God. And two, that we can make a difference for eternity with the Lord's help and live in light of those things. We cannot, though, put our hopes and our dreams in the here and now. We cannot neglect the eternal in our preoccupation with the temporal. And this temporal focus, James says, is foolish because of two reasons. James says, first, that this temporal focus is foolish because we have a temporal knowledge of what lies ahead. James says in verse 14, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. James says we cannot possibly guarantee an outcome of any of our plans, for we do not know what lies ahead. The, the, uh, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. The plans of man, of any man or any woman, are always tentative. And we're reminded of that day after day. Sometimes painfully we're reminded, right? Remember I told you at the beginning, sometimes your day just kind of blows up. We're, we're reminded of that every time we step outside. And do you realize, I mean, again, let me just point you back to what we said. Do you realize how many things are out of your control in life? You cannot control the weather. I mean, we can't even predict the weather, all right, let alone control it. You cannot control the attitudes of your coworkers and your customers. You cannot control your commute, your work environment, the regulations of your company or your city or your country. You cannot control your children's attitudes, your spouse's responses, your car's maintenance requirements, and on and on and on. You know, you cannot even guarantee that as tired as, as, tired as you may be, that tonight you will hit the pillow and get a solid eight hours of sleep because something might happen. You are guaranteed, you and I are guaranteed that nothing will remain the same in this life. In fact, if you want a guarantee for something in this life, here it is. The only thing that you and I are guaranteed in this temporal world is that nothing will be the same. Right? That things are going to change. So that's why it's foolish for us, that's why it's foolish, James says, for us to focus on these temporal plans. James speaks What he's speaking with here is irony. He's basically saying, you plan so far ahead, and you trust in those plans, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. No one can predict the future. We live in an ever-changing world. That's why when you turn on the news, they have this thing called breaking news. Because we didn't know what's going to happen. We never know what may happen in our lives next that may change our next hour, day, month, year, or entire life. I mean, take these two pictures here. You know what these two pictures are? These two pictures are Pearl Harbor. 
They were taken on October 30th and November 10th, 1941. You know what happened mere months and days after these photos were taken on December 7th, 1941? This happened. The Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, drawing the United States into World War II. You think that the folks going to bed on December 6th in Pearl Harbor expected to wake up to this on Sunday morning? No. Their lives changed forever. Or take September 10th, 2001. A normal day, right? Whatever norm, again, whatever normal is, right? You think these folks who took these pictures were anticipating the next day the United States would endure the greatest terrorist attack on this soil in its history. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I'm, t- I'm going to tell you this right now, okay? I don't say this to give you anxiety. I don't say this to you, well, I mean, you know, because indeed, if we were to focus on how much we don't know, we would sure have a hard time finding peace, wouldn't we? No What James is saying here is designed to give us a reality check on our temporal perspective. It's designed to to call into question our focus because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Therefore, it's rather arrogant and foolish to make our plans without realizing who is really in control, and that is God. James says it's not only our temporal knowledge that, that makes it foolish to trust in our plans. But secondly, it is our temporal status that makes it foolish to trust in our plans with no thought to who God is and what he, in, in his control. He continues in verse 14, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, our own temporal status on this earth makes it foolish to trust in ourselves and our plans. Because you and I do not know when our time on this earth is up. Our lives are so short. James here compares it to a vapor or a mist. And you have to think, again, in the context of where James writes, in the hot, arid climate of Israel especially, a vapor wouldn't last very long before it evaporated into the air. To live this frail temporal life with no regard for the eternal God is foolish indeed. For we are susceptible to diseases, to sickness, to accidents, to age, and on and on. That's why Moses wrote in Psalm 90 verse 10, The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. The children of Israel learned this lesson the hard way. When the children of Israel came to Kadesh Barnea and refused to trust the Lord, and they refused to go into the promised land, but instead, we'll anoint ourselves a leader. We're going to go back to Egypt because that's the real place that we're supposed to go. God brought judgment. He brought consequences on them for their sin and said, okay, you want to go in the wilderness? then that, that's what will happen. 
And for 40 years, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness because of their rebellion against God. And if you remember back in that passage, all who were 20 years old and older all died during that 40 years. And that that came to include Moses, by the way, after his disobedience in Numbers chapter 22. And, And what does Moses give the perspective on? Your life is short. Your time on this earth is is here and it's gone. If you just think, if you live to be 70, 80, 90 years old relative to how long, you know, probably conservatively, the earth is about 7,000 years old or so, that's not a very long time for us to be here and have make a difference. Our lives are short. They're a vapor, they're a mist, they're here and they're gone. So it is foolish for us to depend on ourselves and reject God. Ours is a very dependent species. We draw breath every day because of the graciousness of our God. He created us and he sustains us. So putting faith in earthly plans means nothing for we to be gone from this earth tomorrow. And in the end... Our earthly plans will give us no eternal security. So, is it wrong to make plans? Well, I hope you say no. I mean, it's not wrong to make plans. It's not wrong to to be good stewards, again, of what God has given to us. But we have to keep them in perspective. This perspective is healthy. For it is when we truly realize the temporal nature of this life that we can begin to grasp the eternality of our God and the unchangeable nature of our God. And when we see this perspective, we realize what it takes then to follow the will of God. And it is that perspective that James calls us to consider with a proper response to God's will. We must be jarred into this idea. We must, we must come to this point where we realize who we are and what we are compared to who God is and what he is. And what James tells us in verse 15 is that God's will is not just some nebulous idea. God's will is a way of life. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. James offers here the positive alternative to the temporal preclusion of God's will. In the proper response here, he calls for a life lived in constant view of God's will. We have to start with number one. We have to start with the realization that if we live in this temporal world and focusing on that, that we preclude God's will. But, but it is not enough to recognize our frailty and the unpredictable nature of our world. We have to realize that, that we are frail people, that we live in a changing world. But if that's, if that's the only place we live, If all you ever live is in this this idea of, I'm frail, and this world is always changing, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be a very anxious person. We have to go beyond that. We have to understand, yes, we're frail. Our plans, our lives change at any moment. But we have a God who's greater than that. We have to be pointed to our sovereign creator. Our unchanging God who is in control of all things. And understand this. As sure as it is that our lives 
are ever-changing, it is just as sure and true that our God is unchanging. God said of himself in Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I want you to consider for just a moment with me the history of the nation of Israel. If you're familiar at all with some of the things written about them in the Old Testament, Israel was a changing people, quite a bit actually. You read things in Exodus like when they, when they commit to, God, we will do whatever it is your covenant tells us to do. And then just a few chapters later, there they are building the golden calf, worshiping it. And then we read things like they trust the Lord and, and his provision. And the next thing they want to do is they want to kill Moses because God's left him out here in the wilderness to die. They changed a lot. From her patriarchal beginnings to her wilderness wanderings, from her conquest missteps to her royal blunders, Israel often found herself out of sorts with God. And have you ever read the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and had this thought in the back of your mind? It's okay if you admit it. You know, if I were God, there wouldn't be any Israelites around anymore. (laughs) I'm fed up, right? You know why? The Israelites are around. Do you know why any of us are still here? Because God doesn't change. He is gracious and he is merciful and he shows us his love. He keeps his promises. God, because God did not change, he kept his promises to Israel constantly. And that same unchanging God is the God that you and I can serve today. Therefore, We can and we must submit our plans and our purposes to him. We must take up the attitude that James commands in this verse, that our life's plans are subject to God's will. God will help us in whatever changes we may face, for he is the one who is in control and brings these things to pass. So what is verse 14? Verse 14 is a mindset. It's a commitment. It's part of our worship to God. It's not some trite phrase that we're going to throw around. You know, we say things like, well, I'm going to do such and such tomorrow, Lord willing, right? It's not something we tack on to the end of a phrase. If we say it, you know, it'll bring us good luck. I I have to tell you this story. Uh, My wife and I were, many, many years ago, um, we took kids to camp at a camp in North Carolina called the Wilds Christian Camp. And every year for the sponsors, they had a mini golf tournament. Well, I love beating people at mini golf just as much as the next guy, okay? And uh, so we got together with this other couple, and we are playing mini golf. And I noticed something. Every time this guy went to hit this shot, this next this ball, he said, I'm going to make this in the hole, Lord willing. I'm going to make this one, Lord. And he just kept saying it over and over again. I'm going to make this. Lord. And every time, you know what he'd say at the end? Lord willing. You know, after a while, I begin to think, I do not think that phrase thinks what you think it means. I think you say that phrase just to make yourself feel good. And again, I don't know his heart, but you start to hear it over and over again, right? You begin to think, maybe we don't quite understand that. And then we, we reflect on our own lives. How many times have we said something like that and we didn't really mean it? You know, it's almost like it's the Christian good luck charm that if I say Lord willing, then God will be like, oh, that's good, and then you can, you can have whatever it is you wanted to have. No, this is not about a phrase we're supposed to say. This is about a mindset you and I are supposed to have. That God, this is what I believe we need to be doing. This is what I believe you want us to do. But if that's not what you want to occur, that is fine. 
We are submitting ourselves to you. It is a genuine readiness to change our plans to do God's will. What this is is a call for the ultimate act of submission of ourselves to God that affects our entire being and behaviors. It's the attitude that Paul and others had in their lives. We read in the New Testament, Acts 28, verses 20 and 21, when they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. Or Romans 1.10, making request, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Or the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 6.3, and this we will do if God permits. See, what we have to come to understand is that God's will is greater than mine. God's will, then, must be my own. One pastor said it this way, for the Christian... Doing God's will is an act of worship. You know, we, we often relegate worship to, you know, that's what we do on Sunday. You know, we get together and we sing some songs and we hear some scripture and the pastor gets up and talks for three hours and we go home. Worship should be a way of life. Our lives should be given to our God. Everything you and I accomplish in our lives is under the sovereign will of God. Anything that I can accomplish or anything that I can do is because God gave me the opportunity, the strength, and the resources to accomplish it. This ever-changing world tells us to get all we can to put our time and effort into our own plans and our own possessions. But God says to submit these things to him and see how he will work in them. Because God is eternal, I must trust him. Because God is loving, I must follow him. And because God is sovereign, I must submit myself to him. God's will is the only thing that matters. In him, I can find security and solace no matter what may happen to my earthly plans. Have you ever had a plan and it fell apart and you didn't know what to do? Well, this is what we were going to do and now we don't know. We were going we to buy this house. I was going to take this job. I was going to marry this person. I was going to go here. I was going to be involved in this. I was going to... It just falls apart. And in that moment, the reaction to that moment tells you a lot about where your trust is. Because in that moment, we're faced with, I had this all figured out, and now it's gone. If my trust is in that plan, it's going to be a bad day, right? But if my trust is in God, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. Right? I'm not saying it doesn't disappoint. I'm not saying that we don't, we're not sad about what may have happened or confused. But we can truly say, you know, God is the one who's in control. He is the one who's sovereign. And sometimes we don't know where that is until that moment happens. We don't know where our trust is until it happens to us. Our reactions tell us a lot about that. Plans change. All the time. People change. 
I mean, here you are thinking this person is the greatest person in the world and the person you trust is anything, and the next thing you know, they change. God never changes. God always stays the same. If I am living for the Lord, I can rest in Him and no matter what I face. So here's the question. How then do I know the will of God for my life? Right? That's the, you know, following God's will. That's what we're talking about here. Well, if you come back next week, we'll talk about that. Okay? There you go. All right? But for today, let's walk away with this thought. The plans of my temporal life are always subject to the frailties of this life. I do not know what today and tomorrow will hold, so I must trust the one who does know those things. I do not know when my time is up, so I must cling to the one who is in control. And this perspective will change your outlook on things in this life. This perspective is the right perspective for us to take in all things in life. And understand that because God is in sovereign control, I must submit my will to his and seek to live out his plan for my life in all things. You know, that's not up for debate. God is in control. So you and I, we have to respond. We can either go on and do our own thing and try to live against God, or we can submit to and follow him. It is easy to live in the here and now and to focus on what is right in front of us. Therefore, James's words at the beginning of this passage to listen up are so vital. You and I do not have the final say on our lives. We live in an ever-changing world and nothing is guaranteed and our lives can change in an instant. Our lives can be gone tomorrow. The temporal nature of this life, though, shouldn't scare us into anxiety or cause us to be angry with the situation. No, instead, it should sober us to the reality that there is a God who created us and has a purpose for us. And that realization should lead us to this question. How can I know God? You know, you can know him through his word. He has revealed himself to you from the, through his word, the Bible. And his word, what does it tell us? It tells us that you and I are sinners, that we have a holy God who is without sin. And as such, God cannot tolerate our sin and instead must judge our sin because he is the judge. Well, that's, that's pretty bad, right? We have a sin problem and he is holy? Yes. Because you and I are created in God's image, you and I have an eternal soul. We will live somewhere forever. And if we pass from this life into eternity in our sin, we will spend that eternity separated from God under his judgment in hell. And I'm here to tell you hell is no joke, it's not a swear word, and it's not a party. It is truly an awful place. And all who have sinned are destined for it. Yet because our eternal, holy, and just God is also loving and gracious, he has provided a way for us to come to him. He sent Jesus, his own and only son, to live a perfect life, 
to die on the cross, and to rise again from the dead. And you know what? He did this for you. He did this that he might exchange his righteousness for your sinfulness. At the end of the day, this is what it comes down to. Someone has to die for sin. You and I can die for our sin. We can change places with Jesus Christ who died to take the penalty of your sin. And if you will make that exchange with Jesus and accept him as your Lord and Savior, you can know for sure that you will spend eternity with God. You can have a relationship with God and know him personally. You can belong to the one who gave us these things that we read here today in James. And if you know the Lord, if you have a relationship with him, you are called to live for him. Everything you do needs to be subjected to his will for your life. Whatever plans you make, realize that in the end, your hope is not in those plans, but in God alone. You can live in this present temporal world with a constant eye on the eternal. And that's the grace of God. That we can use these things in this life. We can use our opportunities, the things that he has given us to make a difference in the eternal. But you and I, more than that, can live in a way that honors and glorifies God. We can't do that on ourselves. It takes God's working in our heart to save us from our sin and to make us more like him. So I don't know what it is that you, that you come in here with today. You know, we all have things that are going on in our lives. No matter where you are in your life, there's something going on, I know. Maybe you come in here today and you say, man, I've just really been wrestling with what does it mean to, to have a relationship with God? What does it mean to exchange his righteousness for my sinfulness? And if you'd like to talk about that, I, I, I have all the time in the world to sit down and talk to you, look, look at it with you from the scriptures, what God says about that. Maybe there's something going on in your life uh, that, that you really need help with. Maybe there's a sin that you've struggled to overcome. Or maybe there's uh, something that God is changing in your life and you just want to figure, you want to talk more about, well, how do I submit myself to what God has for me to do? Again, if there's something I can help you with, I'll be here as long as you want to be here today. We'll look at the, the scriptures together. We can set up a time to meet. I love to, to take time just to take you back to the word of God, just to sit with you, to pray with you, to talk through these things. Let's pray, and we'll ask God to bless us as we go today. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that in, an unchan- in, a, in a changing world where things, they don't stay the same, you are unchanging. Your grace and your mercy and your love are available to us all. Lord, we thank you for that. And we do ask that you would help us to live with that perspective in mind. Help us to see the frailty of ourselves, the, the, the temporal nature of our lives and of our plans. And instead, help us to see the eternality and unchanging nature of our God. Lord, I pray that you would work in the heart of those who may be here today who are struggling with knowing you for sure and knowing for 100%, with 100% certainty that they would spend eternity in heaven when they die. And Lord, would you continue to, to use your word in their hearts today. Give them the courage to speak to someone. Lord, for Christians here today, would you challenge us with these things? Would you help us to be open and willing to do that which you would have us to do? Would you truly make us more like Jesus Christ? 
We ask that as we go from this place today, that you would help us to honor you, to glorify you in all that's said and done. In your name we pray. Amen.